So as you, I think you guys know this, but for our listeners at home, my husband is a massive man child (laughs) and he's 50 years old, but he still, for some reason, loves a good like dick joke or cock, you know, joke. Um, Yeah, we, we, I think you were telling Christmas the story about how he drew like a dick on your Christmas food shopping list and you walked around the hall of a supermarket. (laughs) Yeah, and it was on the back. So that was great. So he loves to like put them in my notebooks and I've like gone to a work meeting and flipped the page (laughs) and there's like this big hairy cock drawn on there. It's great. It's great. So anyway, I was like, right, okay, one day I'm going to get him back, whatever. So I'm like flipping through Facebook or something and there was like the targeted ads. Don't know what I was looking at it for it to target me this, but (laughs) I, it was these like shortbread biscuits in the shape of cocks. So. <laughs> what? Yes. Yeah, so like shortbread biscuits. And I was like, I'm going to get them. They're called Dunkin' Dicks. I love it. Okay. <laughs> oh my <God. laughs> Yes, they are. So I was like, awesome. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to order them. And I'm going to put them in the biscuit, like a biscuit tin. We have like, it, the box it comes in, it looks like, like a shortbread, regular shortbread box. So a lot of them times they're in this like plaid looking box do you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Like the like Scottish, yeah like tartany tartany yeah. tartan that's what I was looking at not plaid tartan's good so I was like I'm gonna put them in there and take out the other ones it's gonna be great I'm gonna get them finally <laughs> right so as you guys know there's like a whole pandemic going on and um <laughs> we will get like the deliveries and so a lot of times we'll like leave our deliveries outside and just like let them be for a while and then we'll sort of take the outside packaging off there and then put it in a trash bag like just kind of like trying to be sensible don't know if it's the right thing to do or not but I guess we're just trying to be as cautious as we can so like he never opens my packages right never he never has and even throughout the last I don't know four weeks we've been at home I've ordered quite a bit of stuff because obviously we're not really going out to the shops still doesn't open anything so anyway I'm just um I kind of had a I knew they were going to be delivered one day and I heard them, I heard the him take the delivery, sitting outside. Okay, that's fine. And then all of a sudden, about an hour later, he's like, um, I'm darling. He's like, he's like I thought I would just like open your package and, you know, so I could get, you know, just to clean them outside and get rid of the packaging. And I was like, no. The one day. The one time ever and the one time I was trying to, like, really get him, he opens a fucking package and finds the dunking dicks. (laughs) Oh, no. So how were they? They were really tasty, actually, because we ate them. (laughs) (laughs) They were really nice. In times of crisis, I will eat the novelty-shaped dick shortbread. I mean, nothing is going to waste in this household, okay? Hi, everyone, and welcome to Murder Friends, the podcast where three friends from three different countries talk about murder. My name's Alana, and I'm Canadian. I'm Anna, and I'm American. My name's Hannah, and I'm British. So sit back and relax. You're among friends, and let's talk murder. So I was talking to you guys earlier in the week, and I thought I was, you know, we've not got a lot of life chat because everyone's kind of doing the same thing we've been doing the last two episodes we've recorded because things haven't really changed. 
So I was thinking, well, why don't we just think of like three things that are getting us through this quarantine that we've been looking forward to or that we just like or that is just making us smile or, you know, something not shit, basically. (laughs) So (laughs) Something not shit, yeah. Yeah. So I gave you guys that homework and I thought we could share with our listeners and maybe give them some ideas or whatever, make them smile. So, uh, Alana, what have you got? So I was thinking – Three things that make me happy or three, three things that I'm grateful for lately. Because this, I don't know about you guys, but this week in particular has been a shit show dumpster fire. So for my happiness things, one of the things that I've been trying to be like mindful about, I am so lucky that my parents have this beautiful backyard here in Ontario. So I've been trying to make a point of every day, there's one particular spot that's the best spot and even if it's kind of cold out, it's like, it's almost like it's sheltered from the wind. So you can sit there and just like roast. Like it's so hot. The sun is beautiful. So I've been going out there like every day, fingers crossed every day, and just like soaking up as much sun as humanly possible, which I'm very grateful for because I know not everybody has accessibility to those types of places and whatever. So that makes me really happy. Also with that, I am spending loads of time with my family, which sometimes not the greatest, (laughs) but um, this is the longest time I've been back in Ontario since I first moved. Yeah, I'm just trying to be like use my time wisely because I was kind of getting into the vibe of like I'm just sitting around waiting for this to be done because I got so many things I'd like to do, but Mm. I'm trying to be more mindful of using my time wisely and spending time with them so we've been watching lots of movies and we'll sit outside together and that kind of stuff so that's been really that's lovely. really nice yeah, yeah and i like that spending time with your family is is strange especially when you've not lived there for a long time but i think it's it's mm. hard when you're an adult and especially when you've left home and you're an adult to go back it's a bit it's always it's like so i don't think it's very natural is it at least not for our cultures it isn't so it's always a challenge but mm-hmm. at least you're trying to like have a good like mindset about it and like you know yeah just like it. i want to use my time wisely so i'm here good. um it's very expensive to fly back home so i want to get my money's worth <laughs> while i'm here <laughs> spend time with them so that's been really good and the other thing that's been making me happy and I'm, I'm grateful for is I've had so much extra time to just do random stuff if that makes sense so like I have been reading so much more than I've been able to the last few months and even just like making a point of watching a movie uh, with my parents most nights So I'm watching, like, all these movies that I've been meaning to watch and just, like, never had time. I'm reading. I'm working on my pandemic rectangle, my knitting project. Excellent. So it's it's just been, like, little (laughs) things that normally um, with that time I might be, I don't know, out of the house at a restaurant or something. But since we can't do that. Don't lie. (laughs) I I can't go to a pub garden. So instead I'm kind of catching up on all sorts of like little things that I probably wouldn't have made time for otherwise, or at least not this much time. But yeah, those are my, my three sort of things that have been making me happy or I'm grateful for. That's really good. Yeah. I love it. Um, Hannah, you're up. Oh, I'm up. Oh, the pressure. (laughs) 
kind of similar to Alana's really. Um, I've, I've got a very small garden, which I love very deeply. And I had it done last year. Um, so we had a new garden wall put in. I had new fences put in. And I had a new lawn put, like new lawn laid as well. I say a new lawn, like it's like huge extra extravagant lawn. It's not, it's like four meters. <laughs> um, but it's, it's tiny and I love it. And everything's just starting to sort of come up and bloom. Mm -hmm. So I had all my tulips came up, which come up every year. And we've got like a little section at the back, which is kind of like, we let things kind of go wild for the bees and things. So we had loads of bluebells come up, um, which are all like lovely, lovely now. And my peony bush. I have this huge pink, like like really soft pink peony bush, and it's just coming up, and it's like my favourite time of the year when that peony bush blooms. So I'm amazing. Can't, I can't wait for that to come up. Um, and the second thing, we get a a veg box delivered every week, and I'm just really grateful that that's still going on. It's all like local veg, and you never know what you're going to get. Um, Actually, so I want to really get grateful. I want to get those details from you because I've been looking for one as well, <laughs> yeah. thinking I want to do yeah. some of that. So there's a couple near us that are really good. Okay. And, yeah, we we get one, um, and you can add extra things on as well. So this week we added on some sausages and some bacon. Ooh, and, essential. Um, we got some eggs and some bread, like a big sourdough bread oh. added on as well. Yeah. And it's just like we're not eating really fancy food. It's just like really local, really simple food, and it's just like it's just the best. And then the third one is kind of copying Alana's ever so slightly. <laughs> is that I've just got so much fucking time <laughs> because I've got no commute mm, during the week. Yeah. So normally I'd be up at like six o'clock and I wouldn't get home until like half seven, eight o'clock on a good day. And now it's like I can get out of bed at like ten to nine. Nice. <laughs> and then like have a shower and like take the three steps into my office. And then at like half past five. I'm done and then it's like oh I'm not, I've got an extra like two hours so I've been doing things with that time which has been quite nice yeah I can't imagine good. like have being so used to that commute because you've done that for a really long time and then not yeah, having yeah, to do that yeah it's been really strange but I've been I've been knitting as well and I've been embroidering a denim jacket and I've just been playing a lot of video games and it's just been like nice not to get on a train with people <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's a far cry different from that story you told us, crying on the train, and and now on the train. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's what started the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's the universe listening to you. Yeah, definitely. I find I actually finally got my wish. If you think about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Anna, really tell us your too. tell us your favorite thing. Um. Okay. So mine are similar in a ways. Um. The first thing is. So I've been trying to. My husband is still working out of the house. He's a key worker. So he will be out of the house. And it's really difficult because juggling, I have a five and a half year old and trying to get fitness in because that's a huge part of my life. And I love it. It's like for my, my mental health. I just, just, it's where I go and have my me time normally at the gym. So I've kind of like come up with this like parenting hack that is amazing where at the end of the day I'm working and then we'll finish and I take her, we luckily, where we live, there's a really good long path and I take her on her bike and she bikes ahead of me and I jog behind her and she's like my little like pacer. <laughs> so we, like she's only five and a half and she proper rides, it's a proper bike, no stabilizers or anything because we taught her to ride her bike. She got it at four and we just taught her how to ride it because she was on a balance bike and those things are great. So any parents out there, I recommend it. So she full on just rides it. And I just jogged behind her and we did like 7K the other day. 
Wow. I know. And she's like, <laughs> she was knackered afterwards. I was like, maybe that was too far. But it was, she's like, oh. I know. But it was because we've had such nice weather. It's just been like a really cool thing to do with her that's like benefiting us both and yeah, totally. just quality time. It's just been great. She's hilarious though because if she sees like a – the other day a, a a boy was walking with his family and after he went by, she's like, mom, he's so handsome. <laughs> oh, my God. I was God. like, What? She's so boy crazy. I was like, oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, and then the other thing is we have been doing, like, a family movie afternoon on Sundays where we have been watching some of our favorite, like, childhood films but showing Poppy. So we're on, like, week, I don't know, five now. And, like, Will, my husband is showing his. And so his are, like, older British ones that I've like never even heard of but they've been good and I did like My Fair Lady which I forgot how long that was um oh it's so long yeah <laughs> she loved it and uh The Sandlot which I don't know if you guys yes. would know what The Sandlot do you know The Sandlot I, I knew sandlot. Alana would know The Sandlot I had VHS. <laughs> yes so that was my pick and then this so this Sunday is my pick again and I'm gonna do The Mighty Ducks <gasps> You know, I know Alana's going to know Mighty Ducks. Yes. (laughs) Um, So it's been really fun. And then it's like we're doing it every Sunday afternoon. And it's just like become a routine. And we've had good fun with it. And the other thing is completely nothing gooey and nice. It's just, have you, do you guys know know who Leslie Jordan, uh, yeah, Leslie Jordan is? Yeah. Yeah. So the actor, right? So his Instagram is giving me life. If you don't follow him on Instagram, can you immediately stop what you're doing and find him on Instagram and follow him? He is so funny. He has been just – I look forward to his little, like, video posts where he's just – like, he did one on Tiger King. He did one – he's – for people who don't know him, you might know him if you ever watched Will and Grace because he was Beverly Leslie – on there and he's like this he's kind of small like a small gay man he's quite camp and he's like he's so funny and he's been like commentating quarantine and <laughs> you guys gotta check it out because i look forward to that it makes me smile i think he was actually on cnn my dad watches cnn constantly and um when i went out i was like okay it's snack time went out to get a snack and i'm pretty sure they were interviewing him on cnn about his instagram and the videos and stuff because they're so popular yes Yes, probably, because they are. He's suddenly, like, because everybody started to catch on and share it, and it's just so funny. He's There's one where he's just doing, um like, workouts, like, but he's not really doing anything. It's just so funny. You guys got to check it out. <laughs> Trust me, you will not be disappointed. So now that we've talked about some really wonderful, warming, happy things, let's go ahead and move on to true crime news and talk about Canada's worst mass shooting that just happened last week. Because why not have a mass shooting in the middle of a pandemic? Because people aren't sad enough. (laughs) Okay, so this story is still very much changing and it's getting updated and stuff. So this is uh, the details that we have right now. And I actually took most of this from a live Twitter thread from the CBC, uh, which is like Canada's BBC or NBC, you know, the B- the, B- the BCs. 
Our CDC. Yeah. But not to be confused with the CDC. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> so this is kind of the timeline that I've got so far. I thought I'd run through it with you guys because it is, it, I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge deal. And um, it is our worst mass shooting. And yeah, I think it's, I think it's important. So on April 28th, they believe there was some sort of assault between the gunman and his girlfriend. So something happened and he attacked her and was trying to restrain her. And she thankfully escaped and actually hid in the woods overnight. So this is all happening in Nova Scotia. If anyone's there, I mean, I haven't even been there. That's probably, I'm a bad Canadian. I've never been there, but Nova Scotia is on the East Coast. It's quite small. And so in in middle of April, I mean, it's quite cold. She runs out, hides in the woods overnight, and thankfully he doesn't find her. However, soon after this incident, there are reports of gunshots. So people start calling the police. They're hearing gunshots. People aren't really sure what's going on. The police um, arrive at a particular scene and they meet one guy who has been shot while driving his car. So he's in his car and he was shot in his car. And the victim said that the vehicle from which the shot came looked like a police vehicle, which is very scary. So he's literally just driving along what he believes to be a police vehicle comes up to him and shoots him in his car. He said um, the so-called police vehicle was driving towards the beach and there's only one way in or out of that area. So people, uh, the police head out that way and they find several people who had died, some of whom were lying in the road. So it's literally like, it's like a war zone. I can't even imagine just driving up to this, like, it's very pretty area. If you look at the pictures coming up to this beach and there's literally like just bodies on the ground. So a lot of these details come from RCMP Darren Campbell, and he believes that the assault between the gunman and his girlfriend could have been the catalyst for starting everything else, because it seems like that's sort of the first event, and then all these um, shootings then happen afterwards. So the man is named Gabriel Wartman. He's 51, and this whole like rampage lasted 13 hours in Portapique, uh, Nova Scotia. Uh, however, he then traveled to other communities, which made it difficult to sort of pinpoint where he was, and in total killed about 22 people. We say about 22 people because they are not sure they have found everybody at this point, which is really fucking upsetting. When the girlfriend emerged from her hiding spot in the woods Sunday morning, she went to the police and it's her her details that they gave the police helped figure out what was going on. So she told them that it was Wartman who had attacked her, that he had an RCMP police uniform, he had a fake police cruiser, and he had um, a pistol and, from all accounts, several rifles. So they are reporting that the girlfriend is now recovering, but she obviously can't really meet with police at this point. But she has been cooperative and she's been helping sort of fill in the gaps. Because as you can imagine, if a guy is just literally going on a shooting rampage, there's a whole lot of scenes like all over the place. So she was really helpful in piecing those things together and sort of the timeline and what have you. So in Portapique, 13 people were killed. 
The gunman's partner was one of only two people who were just injured but survived. Now, Portapique has, guess what? A hundred people who live there year round. So it's like it's it's like um you got a hundred people that are there and then people will come in the summer to like go to their cottage or like go to the beach and stuff. But it's literally I don't I don't need I can, can you call it a town? I guess it is. A hundred people live there year round. It is very quiet, as you can imagine. They have no sidewalks, they have no street lights, just to sort of set the idea of this place. Wow. So more than 12 hours after the first call, police began receiving a second set of 911 calls from sites about 60 kilometers away. They think that at this point, the first incident killed two men and a woman in Glenholm, and at least two of these victims were known to the gunman. So the gunman then went to a house in Glenholm. He knocked on the door. The people knew him saw that he had a weapon, thankfully did not open the door, so he left. He soon encountered a pedestrian uh, named Lillian. I guess she was just going for a walk. He shot her dead on the side of the road just because she happened to be there, unfortunately. The gunman went on pulling over at least two vehicles using his fake RCMP cruiser and then shooting each driver dead. Um, A witness saw at least one of these incidents. This is then in a different area in Wentworth. Personally, this side side story, the idea of getting pulled over by a fake police officer is like one of my biggest fears. I don't know if I saw a dateline when I was too young where someone pretends to be a police (laughs) officer or something, but that is like literal nightmare because what do you do? Like you don't pull over and then get arrested. I don't know. It's just really scary. Mm. It's definitely been used by serial killers and yeah, yeah, it's a thing. So it's like a definitely valid to be like scared of it. Definitely. It's I think some people are just genuinely scared of being pulled over by the police anyway. Yeah. You know, especially if you're like black or minority ethnic in the, no offense in the US, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it could be a scary that's, situation. That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. So there was Constable Chad Morrison. Chad Sorry, buddy. Okay, so Chad was waiting for Constable Heidi Stevenson at an intersection near another area in Nova Scotia. So this is like the third or fourth location. Chad thought that the approaching vehicle was Heidi, um, but it turned out it was the gunman in his like fake cruiser. He opened fired and wounded Chad, but Chad was actually able to drive away. Unfortunately, Then Heidi came into contact with the gunman in this area. They hit vehicles like head on. Heidi engaged with the gunman and was shot dead. He then took her sidearm and her extra magazines. Um, This is awful. A passerby stopped to help because they, you know, someone was dead and they're trying to help. There's There's a car accident. So the gunman killed him and took his SUV and then set both of those cruisers on fire. Uh, effectively like destroying evidence and stuff but i don't think he was really worried about evidence at this point i think it was just like caused the most damage so now that the gunman has this suv he drives to another house shot and killed the female occupant whom he knew and then took her red mazda after removing his uniform then he went into a gas station to fill up and thankfully there was a police officer who was also there recognized him and shot him dead at the gas station 
the problem with this story that's coming out now, at least, is that they didn't really know what they were dealing with. And a lot of the information that they they broadcasted, like on Twitter and stuff, wasn't necessarily right. So they were saying that he was driving a a silver Chevrolet tracker in one particular area. But at that point, he was actually driving the Mazda 3 owned by one of his victims in a different area. So it was a lot of... It's like they couldn't keep up with how fast things were changing and they were trying to get information out, but it wasn't always the right information. But we do know that he set his house and garage on fire and three vehicles on his property. Um, Apparently, he had several vehicles that looked like police cars, which is terrifying. But they do talk about, the RCMP talks about how they didn't really handle it in the best way, I guess. Mm, Um, A lot of people are upset that they just didn't know. They didn't didn't know what was happening. Apparently, they didn't release the information that he looked like a police officer until quite late, because I guess they were waiting to get that verified. But at the time, people didn't know. And so it's kind of like, of course, when you look back on something, you can see all the ways that it could have been done better. But also, in the moment, we're talking about an area that only has a hundred residents year round. Like they've never had anything like this before. Hmm. They're, they're not going to know how to handle something like this. Are they? Or they're not going to have trained. I mean, they may have trained for it, you know, but yeah, I've never had any sort of ex- real time experience. I mean, so in Canada we have, you might have a local police force, like, uh, like the Toronto police say, like for larger areas, But for smaller areas like this, you are pretty much only covered by the RCMP, so the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. So they sort of are like a national, God, I'm probably not saying this right. They're like a national police force, and they cover a lot of areas that don't have their own police force, if that makes sense. Is it like due south? Oh my God. (laughs) You know I was going to (laughs) say. Shh, shh, don't look up due south if you don't know what that is. It's very (laughs) embarrassing. Do it. Do it. I loved it. The dog. Demon Baker. (laughs) My mom was obsessed with that. So was mine. (laughs) Sorry. At this point, we don't don't fully know everything. There was also reports that the gunman um, had a hit list, but they're saying that that's not true. But after the girlfriend came forward and said, I think it's him who's doing this. He looks like a police officer. He has a car, all that kind of stuff. They then identified other family members who might be at risk. So whether that was her family or his family or friends of family, that kind of stuff, they at least could contact them and say, hey, I think you need to come into the police station because this is happening and whatever. They also said that the guy, uh, Wartman, had significant number of weapons. One had been traced back to Canada, but it's believed that the others were obtained in the U.S. And evidence of how they were purchased probably would have burned to the ground along with his house. So with his house, like, literally blowing up, essentially, there's a lot of stuff that they won't be able to know right away. But he, I mean, was shot dead, thank God. (laughs) But... It's like I was saying before, it's shocking to hear about it here because it's not it's not something that we're used to. And to know that it came from a tiny, tiny little I wouldn't even call it a town area, I think makes it even more shocking that it 
And it, it doesn't seem, I mean, at this point, they're not releasing any sort of motive. They're just trying to piece it together at this point. But it does kind of seem like he was really just killing anybody that he was around or that walked up to him or that drove by, like, really scary stuff. So hopefully we'll get some more details as they sort of piece stuff together. But, yeah, big news in, in Canada this week. It's so, so un-Canadian. It's, like, so un-Canadian. Like, it, you know? Yeah, and I was thinking the other night or the other morning I was um, reading Twitter in bed because – what else is there to do? And I follow CBC. Uh, they have like a breaking news Twitter page. So I follow them. And I was getting these updates, like saying that there's a possible shooter. And you're like, oh, it's probably nothing. And then they update it again. It's like, everybody in this area, lock your doors and go into your basement because there's, there's a, a shooter at large. And like, I've never, I've never experienced anything like that. Obviously, I don't live there. Like, I've never even been out there. It's quite a far ways away. But yeah, it just felt like it felt very real, I guess. Well, it's so like close to home. Mm, yeah. It's not something that normally happens. If it was America, you'd be like, oh, another one. But it's like, yeah. yeah, you know, it's Canada where it's not a regular thing. And I say that, but I, I mean, it's horrible, but it's a fact of life, unfortunately, where in America. But um, yeah, it is. I can imagine it just feels like really, it's already like a really like feels really like an unstable, uncertain time. And then you have something like this happen on top of it. It's just like, really? Yeah, it's awful. So I guess we'll keep an eye out to see if they release any more information. I mean, me personally, I'm interested if they can figure out some sort of motive. Otherwise, it just kind of looks like he just lost it. Was he on Mm. drugs? Like, I wonder if the girlfriend has said, like, was he doing drugs? Did he just sort of snap? Like, But it seems really premeditated the fact that he yeah. had made up a, a fake cruiser and had gotten his hands on a fake police costume whatever that looked realistic enough that people thought that he was police like that seems like he ha- was planning something that's like i always find mm. you know stuff like that it, like when like you've heard serial killers who've used this as like their way to get like let's say women or to pull over or be alone it just seems so cowardly to me Especially, you're just, you know... You're preying on people's, like, good faith in the system, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, didn't Ted Bundy do it? Yeah, I was going to say Bundy did it. Yeah, bag. But, you know, that just shows the level of douchebaggery. Yeah, especially, like, reading about how someone came to help, like, because there was a car accident and someone came over to help, like, to see if people Mm. needed it. Oh, that's the worst. And then to die like that, like, that's just so awful. So, um, thanks for listening to my big sad story. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) So this week for the review section, um, we're going to be looking at The Innocence Files, which is currently on Netflix. It debuted on the 15th of April, and I binged watched the whole thing. (laughs) Um, Have either of you watched it? I started it. I haven't finished Mm it. Um, I'm on episode three, but I'm going to finish Mm -hmm. it because it's, well... I won't spoil with my opinion yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm in the exact same boat. I'm on episode three. I'm actually watching it with my dad, who um, he wants to binge it. And I'm like, no, 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 we can only watch one a day because I got to drag it out because I got nothing else to watch. <laughs> but, um, okay, now I'm really worried that I'm going to spoil it for you. Go for it. It's fine. Okay. This isn't really a spoiler, but there are nine episodes um, and they follow the stories of men incorrectly incarcerated for crimes they didn't commit. So the series is broken down into three three episode chunks, which each look at different cases being fought by the Innocence Project. These three 
chunks, that's a horrible word, each have a focus on why the purported perpetrator of these crimes was found guilty. The first being evidence, the second being um, witness testimony, and the third being issues with the prosecution. So I'm not going to run through the whole thing, mainly because I think it's a really good watch, but I'll tell you about the first three episodes, which are obviously going to contain spoilers. So in the first three episodes, we hear the story of the brutal murder of a three-year-old Courtney Smith on the 15th of September 1990. She was abducted from a room she shared with her two oldest, with her two sisters. They were aged one and five. Her body was found quite close to the family home in a pond about two days later. Courtney's sister, Ashley, became a key witness in the case. And she said that she saw the man who took her sister. Now, Annie, you've got a five-year-old. Do you think that you could rely 100% on the testimony of a five-year-old? Probably not, no. No, probably not, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they still put her on the stand at trial. Um, yeah, she that, had that a... part of it, that part of the story, sorry to interject, mm. that no, was mental. Point. I was... Yeah. She's mm. so, she's so tiny and giving, and, and giving like huge evidence. It's not like they kind of relied but on it. It was the, the, like the big one. The evidence, yeah. Or it was also quite, yeah, I want, I'll let you continue. She's quite led on, I think. Yeah, yeah I was going to say that, well. yeah. Yeah. Um, so she had identified a man they called, well, called Levon Brooks, and he was eventually arrested. I think that was, just going back to what we were just saying, um, when she gave a police sketch artist the information, I really feel like she was led on quite strongly in that. I think the police kind of had a idea of who they wanted to pin it on and then they just kind of like nudged her towards it mm. as much as possible well it was just it was such a small town southern and i'm from the south so i can say this it's fine <laughs> the guy that is like the police sketch artist is also like the local guy on the local like kids show as yeah. like mm. he like doubles as like the police sketch artist which i wonder if he actually has training in getting actual details from children <laughs> I think maybe he was like a good person to do it with children because they yeah. obviously saw him on TV and they kind of trusted him. So that was, I thought that was pretty like, oh, that's really cool. But then like later on, I was like, oh, no, 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 this <laughs> doesn't don't do seem that. no, no, right. no. It's like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> so the pathologist who conducted the autopsy found possible bite marks on her wrist and they called in a forensic dentist, Dr. Michael West, who I am going to save a lot of personal comments for later um the pathologist also concluded that she had been sexually assaulted so they took dental impressions from levon and dr west testified during his trial this is a direct quote it could be no one but levon brooks that bit this girl's arm so he was 100 percent convinced that uh. they were bite marks and he was 100 percent convinced that levon brooks did it levon was found guilty um, despite having an alibi and the unreliable eyewitness testimony from a five-year-old and this bite mark, um, because of this bite mark evidence. And he was sentenced to life. He was 26 years old when he was convicted in January 1992. Jesus. So he goes to prison. So January 1992, he's sent to prison. In May 1992, another three-year-old, Christine Jackson, was abducted from her home, raped and murdered. This happened in the same town as Courtney Smith. She was also found in a body of water 500 yards from her home, and Christine's mother's boyfriend, Kennedy Brewer, became an immediate suspect. Similar to the first case, the medical examiner who conducted Christine's autopsy found what he believed to be bite marks. So he calls in Dr. Michael West again. And Dr. West concluded, again, that the 19 marks found on her body were, quote, indeed and without a doubt, mm. close quotes, made by Kennedy. 
and the court allowed his testimony. Brewer was eventually convicted, Kennedy Brewer was eventually convicted of capital murder and sexual battery on the 24th of March 1995. But rather than being sentenced to life in prison, he was sentenced to death. These cases sort of came to the attention of the Innocent Project. Um, and they began, began investigating and asking for DNA to be tested. DNA was available at both crime scenes, but obviously it was 1992 and 1995, and you know DNA wasn't really available for that. So the Innocence Project come in and they're like, right, test this DNA. Both of these men are adamant that they didn't do it, and we believe them, and you know, just test it. Like, what's the worst that could happen? So they tested it, and the results from these tests excluded both Levon and Kennedy from the murders that they were incarcerated for. The DNA did, however, match someone else, and that someone else was Justin Albert Johnson, and it matched him in both cases. So Johnson was arrested and interviewed. He admitted to committing both murders, and after his confession, Levon and Kennedy were freed from jail. Levon had served 16 years, and Kennedy had served 15 years on death row. But let's kind of circle back to the bite mark evidence, which effectively sent both of these men to jail. So um, I was looking into what forensic odontology is. And basically anything that says forensic is to do with legal. So you generally have like forensic psychology and you have like uh, forensic science and things like that. And it's basically to do with applying it to a legal arena, basically. Forensic odontology is applying dental science to legal situations and is we it's used a lot if you think about identifying human remains by comparing them to dental records um and they can put an age on on like unidentified remains as well so it's like really serious and really like proper but bite mark analysis or bite mark comparison is a little bit sort of less kind of cut and dry as it boils down to interpretations and assumptions of the odontologist so you know we all bruise differently we all mark differently and we all have different fucking teeth. Like, two of mine aren't even mine. I paid for them. <laughs> so, hey, they're still yours. Yeah, I know. I fucking paid for they them. They are now. <laughs> oh, God, they were so expensive. Um, <laughs> so this became pretty popular after Ted Bundy's arresting conviction. And the documentary actually features Dr. Richard, sorry, uh, Suveron, who testified in Bundy's case. So he's actually in it. Yeah, um, was it he, the ones he uses to, like, train with where like the molds yes, of, he's yeah. like these are actually are bu- molds Bundy, of his Bundy's teeth Bundy's teeth you can just carry them around and get them out it's of like, dinner oh, parties let me get, you, like, let yeah, me yeah, get yeah. Ted's teeth out and I'm like oh god yeah like oh <laughs> but yeah he was good though but he his made sense yeah but also he um, I think later on in the documentary I'm not sure whether you've got to this part yet but I think he says something along the lines of if he retested a case that he'd worked on so many years ago um, would he come to the same conclusions? And he said, chances are no, because I know a lot more now than I did back then. So, but, you know, but he's really open and he's really like, you know, I believe in this, but also I'm really willing to understand that experience and things change and understanding changes and science progresses. Mm. Um, so, yeah. I thought that was really interesting. I think it was in one of the trials they were talking to to uh, one of the juror members and he was saying that West was very convincing because he was very like passionate and he was willing to oh, say yeah. Yeah. 100% without a doubt it's this man's teeth like he wouldn't budge like he was very certain and so the jury took that as like oh like this guy knows what he's talking about and then you have the other guy the Ted Bundy teeth man 
who was willing to say, well, we can't be certain, you know, there's a lot of uh, gray area. So he was very more like wishy-washy, but he was Mm -hmm. like, it was, it's legit. Like you can't be certain. But when you hear someone else say 100%, it's this man's teeth. Like that was very convincing for them. Yeah. So um, talking about Dr. West, who was the presiding, presiding forensic odontologist in the documentary. And he is, in my opinion, a terrible human. Oh, yes. Oh, my Massive God. Massive dick. <laughs> so the National Academy of Sciences published a study in 2009 which effectively discredits bite mark analysis slash comparison as a means to identify and or convict defendants. In 2011, West um, was... He went out to go to a deposition um, and he said during the deposition that he no longer believed in bite mark analysis and DNA should be used instead. Um, this deposition, parts are shown in the documentary and it was also what I like to call a grade age shit show. It was terrible. It was bad. So this is a quote from a Washington Post journalist and he said, quote, West frequently had been brash, prickly and prone to fits of braggadocio on the witness stand. This time he was also belligerent profane and combative he was openly contemptuous of the entire process which again was at the heart which again was at heart about whether or not the state of mississippi should put a man to death the transcript records that he belched before one answer on two occasions he grew increasingly annoyed at fabricant's questions fabricant is someone who works for the innocent project and he's this man that west just fucking hates increasingly annoyed at fabricant's questions west offered hypotheticals that involved killing him Oh, my God. During this deposition. And you think, like, after this, after, you know, the National Academy of Sciences saying, oh, discredit everything, you know, would Dr. West back down from the assertions that he made in both Levon and Kennedy's trials? Does he fuck? No. He staunchly believes that he was correct. And he even goes to go so far as to say that they probably assisted with the murders. Like, he refuses to be like, I was wrong. Like, it's the same like the um, prosecutor of the both those men um, when the DNA comes back that they couldn't have raped like the the, the semen didn't match and he and the prosecutor goes well that means he didn't rape her doesn't mean he didn't kill her it's like what like you can't just just say that you fucked up like really you're gonna go that route (laughs) oh that was like um You've seen that. I've seen that with quite a few cases. Is it the Central Park Five? The prosecutor, that horrid woman in that, that prosecutor said like something similar. Like, oh, they were probably involved though. They were involved. Yeah. Just maybe. It's like, it's like oh. Refuse. Like the evidence is telling you they weren't and they've been innocent the whole time. Yeah, it's crazy. I guess that's easy. Yeah. I mean, I do agree that like science is science and science can prove or disprove something, but it can't disprove an entire situation so you know always take it with science with everything else as well right yeah so you know i, I agree with that but also like oh my god just fucking admit you're wrong <laughs> like oh, just admit so as if this isn't enough of a kicker and i'm really really sorry if this spoils it because you haven't finished these episodes the real perpetrator you can put your fingers in your ears if you want or just take out your headphones. No, it's um, okay. <laughs> the real perpetrator, this Justin Albert Johnson, after admitting the murders, he's asked by investigators effectively like, oh, um, by the way, did you bite either of these girls? And he turns around and went, oh, no, no, I didn't. And they did some tests about putting um, a, a pig carcass in um, a similar 
place where the girls were found, so in water. And they said that the bite marks were probably from crayfish residing in the water. Yeah, I saw that bit. So they were they're probably made by crayfish rather than anyone. So no one actually probably bit them. Oh my god! So you should see my face right now because I haven't gotten I just, that bit. That was a, I'm so sorry. No, <laughs> no, know, it's fine. You know, I'm gonna watch these, anyway. But this is like one of these men served 16 years. What? The other so, one served 15 years on death row. Like you can't. Like solitary confinement. Yeah, solitary confinement. He was in. I don't really feel like you can come back from that. No. And actually, sadly, um, one of them has since passed away. Um, but the Innocence Project has got two really, really good web pages, like two sites on their on their web page, where you can read all about their cases in detail, and it's it's really good. So I'll link everything, all the sources are on the website, as with everything else. Yeah, I thought I thought it was really good. I just um, when that West guy, the t- the Teeth Man, came on, mm. and uh, he was talking about how <laughs> how how thick his resume is because it's quite Mm. impressive and he does all the stuff and he said something about like he gets his talent from god or something like that and then my dad was like "Uh (laughs) oh we have the problem here and i was like i see that now (laughs) yeah yeah that should be a red flag in the court like um yeah we're not science-based are we (laughs) awful but I no, I really, really enjoyed it. What do you guys think of it? Or is there anything in those three episodes that I thought it was made great? You furious? <laughs> I didn't. I just haven't got to that the end of um, episode three. But I'm it's so, so well made. It's so no, no, it's fine because I'll watch. I'll still watch them all. It's very good, mm. and um, it is like rage watching because you're just like, I can't believe these things have been allowed to happen. But I hope that more and more and more programs that come out like this um, that we see that things like this just, you know, will come to light more and more and, and it won't happen as much or as more, you know, as frequently. So um, I thought it was a great, pro- I think it's a great program. I totally recommend watching it from what I've watched so far. Yeah, I think the same. And um, I thought it was, it's not something that you want to watch before you go to bed. You know, it's not a forensic <laughs> file that will lull you to no. sleep. It's it's no. it's very upsetting. <laughs> it is upsetting. That's forensic it, files is going to lull you to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> it's a different kind of crime show. <laughs> yeah, it hundred percent. I did a, I did really like that the Innocence Project people were saying that once they started getting into this case and they were really um, educating themselves on bite mark analysis and they realized how uncertain it is and they then went back and prioritized anybody who wrote to them that was convicted using bite mark analysis and they like pushed those ones to the top because they realized like there's a lot of people that have been put away for this and it really should not be used so at least like that i was happy to see that that at least they recognize like this is going on and it really shouldn't yeah i mean that bite mark analysis is still um admissible in court as well and i think one of the men is really campaigning for it not to be admissible in court because it's it's bullshit science. Yeah, I don't I don't actually see I say how I say it bullshit. I don't mean bullshit science. Like it could potentially be very, very bullshit. Mm. Yeah. I don't think they have a really effective way of definitely measuring it, right? Because mm. just especially like when the body may be found, when you take the impressions or like it was even to to me watching the show, watching West take teeth and like put them on the actual body and like basically wiggle them around. around. What does that mean? I could do that. And then I just think in my head, like, can I just make a science up? Can I just say like, this is 
Mm. You know, like that's essentially yeah. I'm a forensic what he was doing. Podiatrist. <laughs> yeah. I do toenails. Analysis. I don't know. Analysis. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, well, I reckon that's a real sign. That's probably <laughs> that a real is. thing. Oh no. I'm so sorry yeah. if I've just um, insulted any forensic podiatrists. Yeah. But I think at one point, one of the um, the bite marks, they were saying that it was only the top teeth that were causing them. It wasn't the bottom teeth. Mm. I think that was in the second case. And it's just like, how can you bite someone with like just the top teeth? Yeah. yeah like, the, I think the like, Bundy guy was saying <laughs> that it's literally not possible because it's not natural. Unless you were like yeah. falling or something, but like it makes no sense. <laughs> like just pushing hanging, it up on Hanging your from your top teeth. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> What would you guys rate it? Ooh, I would definitely give it a five. I really enjoyed the whole thing. Like the the next six episodes are just as infuriating, and just as sad. Mm. And but it's the Innocence Project doing fantastic work, and I think there should be there should be more of these episodes. I uh, I've obviously not watched all of them, but from what I watched so far, it's really compelling. Watching everyone should watch it, and um, I would give it a five as well. Yeah, I think I'm the same boat. It's, it is, you kind of have to watch it when you, you know that you are ready to be upset because it is upsetting. But at least, like, at least for this first case, I don't know about the others, you see these men get out of prison. So you get some sort of, you know, hmm. a, a, a very small good vibe out of a whole show. But it, yeah. I thought the uh, quality was really good. Um, some of the B-roll kind of made me laugh a little bit. I don't, I don't know. It just... <laughs> Just that classic B-roll. It's like chickens. Mm. Um, is it Levon with his little oh, chickens? Levon's chickens, yeah. Chickens, oh, yeah. Love it. But I thought it was a really great show. I'm I'm glad, Hannah, you mentioned it because uh, it wasn't coming up on my Netflix for whatever reason, so I would have missed it. Cool. Weird Crime Time. So for Weird Crime Time this week, um, this You're one, already laughing. I know. It you know just, it's going to be good. It just... <laughs> made me giggle i know it's stupid but you're gonna have to listen to it anyway so my question to you is what would you do if you saw a google street view car do you want to be on the google street view so you jump out from your house and you like do something silly or would you want to hide from it that's the question i am on google street view are you actually on it yeah yeah Oh no shit. What um, like in your ha- like in front of your house? Not not no, I'm not nowhere near my house. I was walking around the back of my old office and do you know they have like the street view cars that drive around? Yeah. They also have the ones where they're mounted on people. So I used to work in um in a temple in London, um, where you can drive into it, but a lot of it is like little tiny pathways and it's all just like little tiny alleyways and you kind of cut through things and everything. So they actually have people mount them on their shoulders and walk around them. Oh, shit. I've never seen that. Yeah. No, me neither. Yeah. So they walk through like pedestrianized areas with it. Um, so you can get through on the street view too. Because like Inner Temple is like a maze anyway, or temple in general. Um, yeah, and I'm on that. That's incredible. I would hide. I mean, you know. <laughs> I don't know that I want to be, like, on Google Street View forever. Fair point. Hey, bloody face out. So the headline for today's weird crime is Google Street View flasher from Port Paris reported for exposing breasts to camera car. Yes. Whoa. <laughs> so 
A South Australian woman chased a Google camera car with her breasts exposed to ensure her image was captured. Um, Amazing. Um, unfortunately, she has been reported for disorderly behavior. Um, but she, like, she admitted to uh, the media and stuff that she had, had done it. Like, I mean, her face <laughs> is there. Like, she's, it's, she's on Street View. That's amazing. That's hilarious. They're taking it as the same as, like, if somebody flashed somebody, like, it's the same. Even though technically she's flashing a robot, they're, they're taking it in the same sense. And that it's not appropriate for anyone to expose themselves in public places. And our community should be able to expect a bit of decency. <laughs> um, <laughs> But the the woman told the local paper that uh, she looks at Google Maps a lot and she just she just wanted to be there. So she says, I got to take something else off my bucket list. Now I'm on Google Maps. So she had, oh my God, I'm sorry. That's hilarious. Who's like, wow. So she like mapped her titties. Like, there you go. Like, what is, I mean, wouldn't you? Wouldn't. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. I guess she, she <laughs> can't even. <laughs> no. I can't even continue. She had seen the car driving around and thought, I really want to be on it, but I don't just want to be on it. I want my tits to be on it as well. So she <laughs> ran out when she saw it, ran, like chased down the car with her shirt up. The picture is really funny. I I mean, people can't see me, but she's got her shirt like up to her neck and she's got her arms up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, so she is summoned to appear in court later i mean she 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 got what she wanted she's on yeah. google maps so god bless her there you go <laughs> that's great all right that's all we have for today check out our website at murderfriends.com you can email us at murderfriendspod at gmail.com we do love receiving your suggestions and your emails Follow us on Instagram, Murder Friends Pod, or Twitter, Murder Friends PD. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.